Hey everybody, it's Ben Reiser, Director of Operations for Wisconsin Film Festival and Head of the Programming Committee for the Wisconsin Zone section of the festival. And I am here today with Drew Durepos, uh, the filmmaker, director of Former Sinners of the Future, which is one of the Wisconsin Zone shorts that we are featuring at this year's festival. And, and if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you, you might have just watched this film or did so in your recent past. Uh, so I don't know if there are actually spoilers in this film. I guess there kind of are. <laughs> but we might we might spoil the film for you if you haven't seen it yet. So think about that before you uh, listen any further. Uh, thanks, Drew, for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Ben. Yeah, it's, it's my pleasure. I really uh, love your film. Uh, I just watched it again this morning in preparation for the interview. Um and uh, watching it again after, I don't know, it's probably been three or four months since the last time I saw it, um, it struck me that maybe I wasn't quite as clear <laughs> about about what this film is about, uh, what your intentions are with the story you're telling or stories. Uh, watching it this morning, I sort of interpreted the the first anecdote you tell. The first mm-hmm. thing, which is you're staring at this jacket uh, and you say because you're upset about something. Now, I don't know that we ever actually learn what you're upset about. Um, and I and I wonder, do you, cons- do you feel like that first couple of bits of information we learn about the jacket and when you got it and the film festival um, are sort of the equivalent of a um, sort of like uh, if you're giving a speech in public and you kind of like start your start your speech with like a joke or something to sort of warm up the audience and then you kick into your actual thematic uh, subject matter or is it all of one piece? Are we sort of it's not quite a shaggy dog story, but are we but in your mind, is there is the piece really about like you making these connections in your mind? You starting off thinking about something and then it takes you through everything that we hear you talk about in the film. Uh, yeah, and this is amazing. Good, like I've actually not done a, a discussion or a Q and A about the film, uh, given uh, the times we're living in. So, this is you'll. This is uh, my first time, kind of like addressing some of this stuff. So I would say, yeah, you're 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 right. Like it is a Shaggy Dog kind of preamble um, to just the process of making connections with objects and memories um it's setting a tone and i know that it's not necessarily yeah it's it it might seem i I wouldn't say it's necessarily of a piece with what proceeds um it's definitely like a prologue um and i could talk about what the thing that's upsetting me is but um but maybe yeah we can yeah i'd love to hear it (laughs) So I don't the, know if yeah, go ahead. Well, the thing that's upsetting me is the thing that happens at the end of the film, um, and so ah. it's just it's kind of like a circuit. So it does um, right. It does actually tie in. It is. It is. It, you 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 do eventually get to that first spark. I hope. I mean, it's you know, it's like a filmmaker and experimenting with uh, a storytelling uh, approach. I. I hope it's successful. It doesn't mean it's necessarily successful. Um, 
and different people will get different stuff out of it. But the thing at the end is the thing at the beginning. So, you know, and that did occur to me. Um, you know, the first, I think the first time I saw it, I don't think I even had that question. I think I was yeah. busy following along with the story and what, and never, and didn't go back to say, oh, wait, uh, are there any loose ends or threads? And then this time when I was thinking, oh, will we ever learn what, what he's upset about at the beginning and how we start this film by him looking at his jacket? And I did think, oh, maybe it's because the film is, has been ruined and, um, and his friend is asking him about it. The one thing that throws me off a little bit is that we do get to see some fairly nice, what looks like, uh, to me anyway, Super 8 footage of Ellis, the, mm-hmm. the infant. Yep. And I interpret, I, for some reason when I'm watching the film, I interpret that as some of the Super 8 that you did shoot maybe on that same day. Yep. And so that there is some usable footage that you that you got out of that experiment with the super eight camera am i wrong in interpreting that footage that way uh no your your interpretation is correct right the footage is what uh i was able to salvage from the the uh the role that i you know messed up or did i i mean you know i everybody kind of is a lot of people are like wow that's really beautiful and like you know depending on which angle you're uh approaching it. I mean, it's hand processing. Anybody who's hand processing, hand processing, which like I was fairly new to at that point, certainly like hand processing color is like uh, more complicated. So right. those results could seem like, oh, that's disappointing. But in the context, I was like, this is still something of value for me personally. Um, and, you know, if you're responding to it that way, then I feel like it makes sense. Yes, and I'm sorry because I realized I was being kind of callous just now and almost thinking of it in terms of a filmmaker thing, but maybe what you're saying is the reason you're upset is because you got this call from Braden and he's telling you that he's uh, his wife left him and that that's what you're upset about, not not whether or not there's usable footage to show him of the Super 8. I don't think you're being callous at all because <laughs> the part of the point of this film is that like all of these things are sandwiched and conflated together. That's <laughs> like what, you know, and that is the shaggy dog. It's sad. And, uh, you know, I, I really like the kind of description of my matter of fact tone. It's kind of, I definitely had some friends who are filmmakers who were like, there's no, you're, there's no emotive kind of quality to your storytelling. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, that that's not what I wanted to do. Um, I wanted these things could kind of like align. So I don't think you're being callous at all. That's part of the, like, I'm looking at what happened in this and thinking like, whoa, okay, I'm going to sit down. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, as a viewer and a listener, I respond really well to your tone. Like, I really appreciate the sort of uh, unemotional uh, uh, way you have of, of telling this story. Uh, it, it, it feels intimate and it doesn't feel forced at all. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like you're attempting to, to take all the uh, emotion or inflection out of your voice. It just sounds like you're almost like talking to yourself or yeah. talking to uh, a friend or, or writing it down. Um, and, and, and I, so I, I guess I want to ask what, what was the, was the inspiration for this film exactly sort of, 
as what we hear you talking about? Or was there something else? Was there one particular part of what we hear or see in the film that inspired you to, to make this film in the first place? I mean, the, the what inspired the film was the conversation that I had with my, my friend. Um, in it dealing with kind of addiction and kind of like a long... I mean, this is my oldest best friend um when we part of the subtext or i don't know it's explicit i think but like we live in different lives but we're still really close and part of talking about addiction is just owning it i think um and that kind of was like we were just talking about mistakes <laughs> like as as uh as people of a certain age where we need to stop making so many mistakes and start having a sort of mutual accountability among friends, at least uh, in a society that isn't always great uh, at accountability. So that was kind of the impetus for the like, and like, I'm going to do it my way, which is I'm going to document this moment um, with his permission and participation. And he's going to take care of his kid. We saw this film, it got submitted to us, and we saw it and talked about it and, and added it to the festival in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic. And when we first watched it, it felt very much of a piece with any number of other short films that we were receiving this past year that seemed to deal uh, or reckon with or have been made under the circumstances of of, of quarantine and lockdown and uh, feelings of isolation. And this is a very sort of solitary, quiet, uh, film where we don't actually, I don't, we don't see anybody, uh, except in the super eight footage. Um, and it, so it feels very much of the moment. And yet I think that this film was made, uh, before COVID-19 and, um, uh, how aware uh, have you been in sending it out to festivals of this sort of added context of this past year and, and how your film plays in, in the context of the pandemic? Honestly, that's a, um, that's a, a new one for me. I had not, that's a really helpful uh, question and comment, like to contextualize it. Cause for me, that's just the, the nature of the film. It is like a quiet and I'm as a, maker like I, I'm, I'm in, interested in exploring like quiet kind of like isolated psychological experiences um, and also a lot of I think filmmakers especially in like the more experimental end of explored personal cinema in a really valuable way and that like I guess this could fit in with that sort of trend in the past couple years but I haven't thought about it as a pandemic I, I mean it makes sense now to watch it that way and like think about the the quiet that you're afforded by isolation and like the unfortunate room that is space that you get to reflect um it's there's definitely yeah that's definitely like a new way for me to view it so uh, but i haven't thought about it too much i've been grateful that it's found uh some audiences um despite the pandemic and that's felt good and i'm you know i sent it out and 
into the world hoping that some people would enjoy it um or enjoy it it's i don't know how enjoyable it is it's kind of uh i admittedly it's a little bit dark but i find it enjoyable i find i find the the shots to be beautiful the the you, you know the both the the Thanks. current sort of hd imagery and, and of course the super 8 footage i wanted to ask you um well i first wanted to say that yeah you i, I could show you 10 other shorts that we got during the pandemic that you'd be like oh wow there's a there's somebody else's shot of their jacket on a chair and there's somebody else's sort of static images of their apartment and looking out a window and windowsill and those things and you'd be like oh my god this is like a movement that we've got going oh here. yeah i mean if you watch movie too it's like we've got some luminaries yeah. it's like that's the movie that got made right so yeah. i see your i see your point yeah, but um, uh, I wanted to ask you about the Super 8 footage, um, the, the the stuff that we see, not not the sort of light-spoiled stuff, but the the more sort of seemingly intact footage of, of Ellis and your choice to expand or sort of to cut off, I'm assuming cut off the tops and bottoms of the frame and expand it to the 16.9, mm-hmm. uh, which you don't do with the footage at the end. Um, right. Can you talk about that choice of filling the frame versus keeping the original aspect ratio intact? Well, to me, that's just about just a formal gesture about like me pushing in to the subject and in in the visually, like I'm searching for uh, the the essence of kind of the story, and I'm like, so I'm. And I, this is kind of a seems to be a pattern in some of my filmmaking of late is uh, getting into like the bad noise and the grain and, and just, you know, it's never been easier to shoot, I think, really beautiful footage. And I love it as much as anybody else. But I'm I'm I have a habit of always looking for like the continuity error or something like that. So for but me, I mean, this was the beautiful moment, too, of that footage was uh light uh, bouncing off of my friend's child and like leaving a little bit of an impression which is in some ways to me just struck me more as uh how memory actually functions so that's um that's i maybe the 169 is like me or my consciousness or something like pushing in so yeah i love the 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 part of the story where you relay um, remembering how the light looked in your dorm room during a conversation. Um, I, yeah, that I find that all the time. Uh, yeah. That seeing that's... something, seeing a movie that I saw in a certain location reminds me of that, of everything surrounding that initial screening or whatever. And absolutely converse, talking about conversations that I've had with people on the phone and, and picturing what I was looking at at the time and, so I love that. Um, so uh, just to talk about the process of putting this together, uh, did you did you write your voiceover narration or were you sort of improvising it into a, a recorder? It was kind of a, a hodgepodge. I, I, without considering the footage at all, I, I wrote down what I felt I needed to say. And then I recorded it without looking at the footage. 
and read it back to myself and kind of edited it from there and re-recorded from there until I was like, because, you know, going from what you write to how you deliver it, you know, you might have some really great ideas about what sound looks good in writing, but then it spoken, it doesn't. So that was part of too, like the practice or like, you know, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to try to get better at that and like be as minimal with the language as possible. Um, and then from there matched it to image. Um, right. And so when you say match it to image, did you then, did you then come up with a shot list of images that you thought would make sense over the words and then capture those images or were all, were even the non super eight stuff, things that you had already shot and were just matching it with some text? I, I'm trying to think about what I'm revealing about my process. I'm getting self-conscious. <laughs> but like, I'm like, I really think with this one, I assembled the footage kind of how it is and, and then left it on a timeline and walked away from it and then did the writing completely separately. Oh, and, okay. So all the images came first. Images all came first, yeah. And oh, okay. putting them in order. And then, but I didn't like write, I didn't sit doing like some sort of ADR, like responding to the images. I just knew kind of, it's a fairly, it's not a, there's not a ton of shots. So, right. So mentally I can kind of think about that image and how does it prompt what I'm writing. Um, so that's, I th yeah, that's kind of how I constructed it. That, that well, make... it's it's fascinating to me because it it seems it feels like the opposite of what I would have done. But so you thought you you had in your head the basic idea of what story you were going to tell. Mm -hmm. You shot a bunch of these images, set them up, assembled them on a timeline, set them aside, recorded your voiceover narration, and then did some fine tune editing and of the. I'm assuming not only did you edit some of the narration, but you also maybe played with the length of shots and things like that at that point? Sure. After bringing, bringing everything together, there's definitely some, some tweaking and rearranging. Um, but largely, yeah, it, it was kind of an interesting pro process and experiment of like, okay, if I'm going to tell this short story, I need to be here and shoot this angle and this really going through like kind of like where the memories happened and then writing to that. So yes. Yeah. Um, definitely some editing. Yeah. Of course, kind of like finishing, but it was really important for me to not have any, uh, uh, music or anything of sound effects at all. It's uh, just room tone. Cause I think that's kind of matches with light as like, you remember like, or at least I do. I remember like a bad air conditioner HVAC system, Mm -hmm. um, as much as anything else. So, right. So is this process of image and then, uh, words that is that your typical process as a filmmaker or that was just for this, for this project? I've, well, it might be something I go back to, but for me, this kind of crystallized in my mind in a really unique, swift way. Um, based on the events that are kind of being described, but seeing kind of like how the memories connected and everything, I, I had not really done narration before. So this was brand, brand new 
Um, and I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'll go back. I'd love to try something like this again, but yeah, it it also you know it fits in with some some things that I've seen that got submitted to this year's festival, including we have a, a film called it's a um, a sad story about a Christmas tree, I think is the name of it, um, and which is which are these which are these sort of video essays where the filmmaker is sort of you know sp- talking and sort of in a you know like an like he, like an essay that they've written or just sort of coming up with as they as they talk and then match that with you not not quite not certainly not random images but sort of d- disconnected images from each other and and sort of tell the story visually and help help tell the narrative that we're hearing on the soundtrack and there was a also watched this show that was on HBO I think this past year called How To with John Wilson. Oh yeah, uh huh. You know, and and he sort of does that that same thing, which also I think I don't know what his process is, but to me it feels like he captures all these interesting images wandering around New York, and then sort of fashions these thematic essays and uses that stuff. Uh, to sort of tell and, and you know uses it for points and, and sort of counterpoints and sort of like rubbing up against what he's saying sometimes in ironic ways and sometimes not um so yeah so it's i i, I totally dig this uh this style of uh of image and sound and voice making uh but i really i really love your film a lot um yeah, and I'd like to do it again. And I think film essay is just a really weird. It's a weird. This is like a weird film to place because I'm like, it's not really a documentary, but it's been programmed as a documentary, and I don't know how experimental it is. And some people tell me it is, and it. And then I would say, yeah, it's a personal essay. It's just like a personal story. And uh, where is that? Is that? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. it needs to be its own sort of category in film festivals and things like that. People hear film essay and they think, I'm going to break down, you know, why the 10 best scenes of Die Hard and like, or something like that. And, right. You know, <laughs> that's not what, yeah, uh, that's not what, not everybody's interested in that. So I am sometimes, depending on what the subject matter is, but I wouldn't, if I'm calling this film essay like that, that doesn't work. No. Yeah. No. Not yeah. Absolutely not, but definitely in that John Wilson school yeah. of whatever it is he's doing. Um, but then I, I want to say that the, that interestingly, and I want to hear what you know, what pressure you put on yourself, or maybe there was some outside pressure at the end of what is sort of just this sort of casual essay, experimental documentary thing. You do. Give us what feels to me is a very a much more conventional thing at the end, where you give us some title cards that tell us what happened after the events of the yeah. of the film. Um, and so, uh, talk about what led you to give us that information to sort of fill in the post film narrative. Yeah, I mean, and two, this film is like something I made, kind of like started three two years ago yeah 2019 is when I was kind of wrapping it up and that was a hard decision <laughs> like I, and like when I look back is like I consider myself a, a growing you know I'm a filmmaker in process like I'm, I'm I'm learning and 
when I think about that decision, it really comes out of kind of like a uh, pra pragmatism and getting some responses about the film and just being like people being like, whoa, okay, what happens? And just talking with my friend about how do we convey that in like a way to let them know that this moment is actually no, I mean, like, I don't believe that any moment is done, but like, that right. we're over like the, the darkest part of the story. Um, just for people who are interested, even at risk of seeing kind of corny. And I was just like, I don't know. Um, I, I'm making that call with this one, but maybe that's not what I would do in the future. But I'm also not going to change it because um, I feel like this is feels, res I don't know. It feels like what, what needs to be conveyed. Well, um, I... I I will say that that ending, in addition to your the tone of your of your of your narration, served to. I, I know you are talking about this film as this. You know, it's kind of dark. I didn't. I don't get that from it. You know, I I feel like it is in a really nice way, sort of a matter of fact thing, and that the, and, and that though there are there are things that happen uh, that certainly much more dramatic films would take advantage of and and and, and amplify. I think the fact that I, I think sometimes in films when you try to tone that stuff down, it does make it sort of sadder and darker and maybe more tragic than if you really lean into it. But I don't feel that with your film. I feel like um, I, I I come away from your film just feeling like this is this is some interesting things that happen to this guy that he's tying together with some beautiful images and some interesting images. And he's telling it in an interesting, sort of unique and very matter-of-fact way, and I just kind of dig it. I don't, I don't feel a huge emotional attachment to, to the things that you're talking about, especially with your friend and his estrangement from his family. Um, so, uh, I would say yes if you were if you were hoping for people to be more bummed out or sort of <laughs> sort of no. caught up in that than they than they are. Then yeah, maybe not. Maybe not telling people that that things turned out to have a, or, you know, at the moment are sort of better, people are in a better place than they were uh, during the events of the film. But uh, I appreciate it. I like that, 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 that you, that you clarify where people are at the time. I mean, that's really helpful feedback for me to get on this film, because for me that maybe those cards kind of established the equal, like the equilibrium that I kind of wanted. I mean, like it's, mm -hmm things are hard and then things get better. Like, you know, um, that's what I hoped. I didn't, I felt like maybe it would be, yeah. I, how do I talk about emotional, like emotional events without drama? Like, you know, um, I think you did it. Yeah. That was kind of the goal. So that maybe that gesture was it, it, airing on the side of trying to get back to neutral or something like that. That makes total sense to me. Even if it was, Sort of unconscious. Yeah, that's really helpful, and thank you. That's uh, that's a, uh, I really appreciate that. Like uh, uh, re you describing your reception and uh, of the film sounds gratifying because that's all I could have hoped for. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing the film with us. I'm really happy that we've got it in the festival this year. So what? Uh, 
What's up with you these days? What are you working on? What are you doing? Well, I made a uh, a new work that's totally different, and uh, it's like a more of a appropriated uh, footage film, found footage um, that I'm sending out. It's a little a little bit harder <laughs> to get into. I don't know, but uh, and that is that's playing some places, and I'm I'm teaching, so that's been really gratifying. Um, uh, teaching film at a couple different places. And just thinking about, you know, post 2020, a sense of, I mean, there's still so many challenges globally, uh, but like, I'm just, I feel like a sense of relief and like I can begin to generate le- less paranoid art, maybe. I don't know. Something like that. Like maybe something that's got some joy in it. Um, so I'm grateful for, for that. And uh, yeah. And my partner has been really wonderful uh, person to be with um, this past year. So couldn't have gotten gotten through it without her and and my cat. So <laughs> you know, I'm just glad. I'm just happy to be standing. Um, but <laughs> but I've yeah. So that's that's about where I'm at. I'm grateful that festivals are still happening too because I absolutely love film festivals, um, and just absorbing in a kind of omnivorous way everything that's curated and offered so well hopefully next year i mean i'm uh, i'm gonna i don't know what i'm gonna do if this doesn't happen but hopefully next year we'll be back to being an in-person festival and hopefully you'll submit something and hopefully we'll bring you to madison and you can hang out with us for the weekend i love madison love madison and i you know this is a great festival so it's an honor to be included in it thanks drew thanks so much for spending some time with me today talking about Former Sinners of the Future. Maybe that's the most dramatic part of the film, is the title. <laughs> a friend helped me with that. And so that's one of the secrets of the film. So It's good. It's got that sort of 1930s serial, maybe like a Flash Gordon sound to it. Yep, that's, uh, it's close. It's, it's, got a, it's got a cinematic source, um, but uh, that could be an Easter egg, I guess. So Yeah, that should be an Easter egg. That's great. Thanks so much, Drew. Thank you very much, Ben.